For a while, I, I, Jim, I thought you had to be bald to, to win a briar. You didn't want to rock too much hair. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, Martin Howard Cooey. <laughs> Okay, hi again, everybody. Welcome to Inside Curling. Uh, we survive another week uh, with me, Jungle Jim Jerome, and our two World Curling Hall of Famers. They haven't kicked you guys out yet, huh? Eh? There's a lot of people who are getting turfed out of uh, Hall of Fames. <laughs> It'll be because of you. Yeah, Kevin Martin, of course, and Warren Hanson. <laughs> we do it each and every week. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, Sports Interaction, uh, who brings you what's happening around the curling world. Nestle Boost, uh, they look after Mailbag, Coyote Tractor, brings you Hot Rock Topics, and, of course, Goldline. Uh, brings you In the House, which is our guest spot. In the house today, we've got Mike McEwen. Mike just won the Ontario Provincials. Good for him. Holy man. Maybe, is this his year, Kevin, that he's going to bust through? Why? Well, he's certainly got a good team. It's going to be interesting watching him in Ontario colors, and Ryan Fry's a player. So uh, will he win? I don't know, but they've got a good team. Uh, how old do you feel? Uh, Richard Hart's son is on that team. <laughs> yes, isn't that something? I thought Richard Hart could still curl. That's how far out of touch I am. Oh, my God. Uh, here's what's on the show today. A bunch of stuff. Those playdowns have taken place this past weekend. And uh, the Scotties and the Briars starting to shape up with those teams. We're going to break that down. Uh, there was a major event. I couldn't believe it. I thought this was a misprint. Where Where are you now, Ed Wernick? Okay, the wrench. There's a big event in uh in phoenix and it's called the golden wrench classic warren and i said maybe we should get him on sometime warren said nah i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> hot rock topics uh as mentioned the provincial and territorial championships for the scotties and briar uh have been taking place now for a couple of weeks with one week to go is the whole process still right and could it maybe be made better we'll get to uh, kevin and warren on that Mailbag. Norm Gould, I remember that name from Winnipeg, uh, has sent us an email, and we're going to look at that. In the house, the Ontario Tankard ended. Mike McEwen, as we had mentioned, has won that, and uh, we're going to bring on Mike. What's happening around the curling world? Here we go. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction, 19+, plus and Ontario only, and please play responsibly. So, as mentioned, a bunch of finals were held this past weekend with the Scotties and Briar. We now have the final field for the Scotties. So, Warren, uh, give us a review of what took place and who's in, who's out. First, a quick rundown of what happened in the women's side and get Kevin's comments, then we'll take a look at the men's. So, in the women's side, let's start from east and go west. In Newfoundland, Labrador, Stacy Curtis has qualified for the Scotties. This will be her sixth trip to the event. Out of Nova Scotia, Christine Black. She'll be going for the fifth time. Well-known player out of PEI, Susan Britt. Susan will be in her 14th Scotties, 14th time. In Ontario, no stranger there, Rachel Holman. She's going to be playing in her ninth Scotties. In Northern Ontario, Krista McCarvel. She'll be playing in the 10th Scotties. And you may recall that last year she was a silver medalist in 2022. Out of Manitoba, the GOAT, Jennifer Jones. Although she's 48 years old, she's going to her 17th Scotties. How does that rank? Well, Colleen Jones leads the way with 21, and behind her is Kim Kelly with 18, and then Jennifer. And out of Saskatchewan, 
Robin Silvernagel. This will be her third trip to the Scottish. She was there in 2019, again in 2020. So champions have already been determined. Out of BC, Grandy, uh, Alberta, Skrillic, Quebec, St. George's, New Brunswick, Kelly, Northwest Territories, Galusha, and uh, McPhail out of the Nunavut, and Bernie out of Yukon. And of course, Einerson will be Team Canada. So that means we go down to the wildcard qualifications. Einerson um, was number one. She's already in. Holman was number two. She's in. Jones, number three. She's in. And Laws is going to be in as a wild card because she didn't make it, but she's number fourth. Fifth is Grandy out of BC. She was already in. So we then go to number six for the uh, next rank- ranking, which shall be Schneidiger out of Alberta, and number seven, Walter out of Manitoba. So Manitoba is going to end up with four teams in the Scotties. Kevin, what are your comments on uh, who's qualified and uh, what do you think about the whole situation? Well, with the with the uh, the rule change, I think it's important to say, or the I guess not really the rule change, but the structure of the playoffs going to six teams. So you've got uh, two and three out of each pool playing off in the number one. So let's talk about who's going to be there at the end. Well, you've got to give Carrie Anderson the check mark, and you've got to give Jennifer Jones a check mark, and Rachel Holman a check mark, Caitlin Laws, and uh, Casey Scheidegger. I think you've you can give them check marks. Well. Um, well, everybody else is fighting for the sixth spot, kind of, in my mind. Um, um, a couple of teams I want to keep an eye on, though. Uh, Servonegal out of Saskatchewan. Very good, very good curler. Um, Chris uh, Black out of Nova Scotia, Warren. I, I, I really want to pay attention to this team. That, that is somebody I think could make into the, into the final six. I really think that. And then Crystal McCarville. They don't play a lot on the tour. They don't, they don't travel a lot, but they're really, really good. And, you know, they could make the final six. So I'm, I'm really having a, a good look at those teams. Um, Clancy Grandy, another team that she had qualified to play in a Grand Slam in Camrose, but I believe her playdowns were the same time, which is wild. But anyway, it was. That's another team to keep an eye on. But that's, that's kind of the depth I'm looking at. That's about what I see. All right, there we go. Uh, so the Scotties is all lined up. What about the men and the Briar Warren? Well, over on the men's side, things have been taking place. We haven't completed the playoffs at the provincial territorial level yet, but let's go through what we have. Last weekend in Newfoundland, Labrador, young team, Nathan Young, is going to be going to the Briar for his second time. He's only 20 years old out of St. John's. Also interesting out of Nova Scotia, Matthew Manuel. Be his first Briar, another young team, but in the final, he defeated Owen Purcell, who just won the bronze at the World University Games, and uh, they played very well in that Nova Scotia Championship. Interesting, playing third for Manuel is Luke Saunders, who is the son of Colleen Jones. Out of PEI, another young team, Tyler Smith. And of course, Ontario Mike McCune. First time he's going to be representing Ontario in the Briar, and he defeated the veteran Glenn Howard in the final, who was looking for his 20th Purple Heart but wasn't able to get it. McCune, of course, has another player from Manitoba over the years, Ryan Fry, playing third. Brent Lang, another veteran at second. And, of course, a new lead, Joe Hart. And his father, Richard Hart, is going to be the coach of that team. So we look forward to that team doing well, and we'll be talking to Mike later. In Northern Ontario, Tanner Horrigan. Another interesting team. Tanner himself is certainly a player for the future, but he's got the veteran, Darren Moulding, playing third. His brother, Jake, at second. 
and veteran Colin Hodson at lead, who is playing for the first time out of his home territory, which is northern Ontario. He's played out of Manitoba in previous Briars. And of course, they had to upset Brad Jacobs to get there. Already determined are Scoffin out of the Yukon, Higgs out of none of it, Gaucher out of BC, and of course, Gushu will be Team Canada. This coming weekend, champions will be determined out of Northwest Territories, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. When we look at the wild cards, Botcher's number one, Dunstan number two, Gushu's already in as Team Canada, Cooey's number four, Crothers is five, Flash is six, and Epping is number seven. And depending what happens in these playoffs next weekend, there's a good possibility that all seven of those teams could be in. So, Kevin, how do you see it all? Isn't that interesting? Uh, I agree with you that uh, right now John Epping is the one really paying attention in number seven spot to the Alberta playdowns and the uh, Manitoba playdowns. And Saskatchewan, of course, depending on who wins, he may get in. So it's kind of an exciting time for them. uh, So we have to wait and see. There's uh, some great provincials. One thing, Warren, um, that I really like to see, uh, we have a lot of young people in this year's Briar. And I think that's great. A lot of very young teams. That's fantastic. And, uh, you know, they can sharpen their teeth and uh, see how they do. I'm going to be really interested in watching a lot of the young teams uh, fighting it out against the the grizzled veterans because we have those also in this event. So it's going to be quite the uh, contrast between the young up-and-comers and the veterans and see how they do against them. So, uh, Warren and Kevin, uh, before we leave this, if you Warren, if you had to rank the fields uh, in the Scotties and the and the men's Briar, what, what do you give them out of a hundred? How 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 good the field is? Is this the year that maybe one of these lesser known teams can bust through? I know Kevin had mentioned one. Is what's your what's your mark on how good the field is, Warren? Well, I think because of what they've done with the eighteen teams and the ranking, this is in both cases probably the strongest fields either event have ever had. Um, I think, again, in the end, we're going to see these uh, experienced virtual professionals. One of them is going to be in the winner's circle at the end, and the majority of them will qualify uh, in the end. One of these new teams, younger teams, may make it through into that final six, but uh, I I expect that uh, it's very difficult today for uh, any of these younger teams to... uh, to break through this, the way things are set up these days. I, I think the days of Cinderella teams are gone mm-hmm. uh, because the top teams are just too good. Right. Kevin? Yeah, I can't add a lot to that, Jimmy. I agree. Uh, it's just the the top teams. You know, we watch uh, uh, Cooey's team and Botcher's team at the Savile Sports Centre, and they're there all of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Every day they're out there throwing rocks. And you know what? It's just they put in a lot of hard work, and that's – that's, you know, make dividends. Obviously, uh, if you walked uh, anywhere near where Brad Guju is, they're practicing all the time too. Maddie Dunstone. You know, the teams get to the top of the world of curling, not by chance. It's right. because of hard work. And for some, you know, for a young team that's a little inexperienced to try to come and battle those big guys and win is, is a lot to ask. But it's great to see the young people having the opportunity to play them mm-hmm. and, and just get better. And, and in some X amount of years, they'll be the ones at the top. And that's great. Right. It's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, very good, boys. Uh, Briar and Scotty time. I love that. The straw man. I haven't heard of this guy in a hundred years. Okay. Uh, he was quite a character. Uh, we'd love to get him on one day. Ed Wernick. His name is back in the news here. The Golden Wrench Classic 
was held this past weekend in Phoenix. This is a bigger event than I make fun of, Kevin. Well, yeah, it's a it's a very big event. It's at a beautiful curling club. It did a curling school in uh, in Phoenix and Tempe, Arizona, um, a couple of months ago. And what a lovely facility! Ice is fantastic, and and uh, that's where Ed Wernick uh, puts on this Golden Wrench event, which is fantastic. But I just want to cover a little bit of the field. Uh, Carson Sturme, uh, the eventual champ. Uh, Aaron Sluchinski out of Alberta, another top team. Jacques uh, Gauthier out of uh, just one BC. He was there. Greg Koshin, uh, John Schuster, of course, Olympic gold medalist. Reed Carruthers. Um, so a really good field. Uh, in the end, uh, Sturme played Carruthers and actually won 7-2 to two, uh, in six ends. But what a great win for a young team out of Edmonton. To win an event of that magnitude is wonderful. And a lot of the top U.S. teams were there. And uh, I think that bodes well going forward to have more and more uh, top-level events inside of the U.S. borders because there's just not quite enough of these uh, big events down south. Warren, uh, you and I were shooting the breeze last night about the, you know, the growth of curling. Was there ever a day, Warren, years ago when you were, you were getting curling into the Olympics and getting it on TV that you warned people and said, don't forget, Phoenix is going to uh, have some curling one day. That. <laughs> What do you think when you hear that, Warren, now? You must be pretty proud of, of the sport growing the way it is. Well, I guess no one would have ever have dreamt that uh, cities in the southern part of the United States would become engaged in curling, but it's becoming more so by the day. Mm-hmm. And I go back to Las Vegas. I've been involved in, uh, I believe, five events we've done in, in Las Vegas, and including two men's championships, all been very successful. So slowly but surely, the, the sport is creeping into the United States. I think if somehow it could get a, a good punch and and make it more available than it already is, you would see a huge influx of people playing in the United States because there's a, a huge interest about it and a lot of curiosity. And I think it's certainly going to be a strong future for the sports as we look for growth around the world. So there you go. That's what's happening around the curling world. Thanks a lot, boys. Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, and ZTRs to do it. We dig dirt. As mentioned, the playdowns for the Scotties and Briars started a couple weeks ago and uh, will end next weekend. This whole thing seems to spread out to almost over a month with the entire process different in almost every province and territory. Kevin, uh, is the whole thing maybe need to be changed or a little different to cut down on the length of time that it takes? Yeah, it definitely needs to uh they, well, what has to happen are the provincials, say the, the, the female provincials, the lady provincials, need to go on one week and have a big provincial week across Canada. That'd be great. And men's the same, a provincial week across Canada, that leaving room for tier one and tier two tour events uh, to, to happen around, around the world. Um, to have all of these teams curling for all of these weeks slows down the growth of curling after Christmas. It, it, it always has. That was one of the major points back in 2001 for the boycott that happened was scheduling. So the scheduling is a mess. It takes way too long mm-hmm. to decide on your provincial champions. And so it, it needs to be on one week. You picked, it doesn't matter what week. And then that way around the playdowns, you could have tier one and tier two events going around the world. So it's a very important uh, topic. It was something that was discussed and it was supposed to be fixed many, many years ago. It just hasn't happened. And it, once again, it's just something that needs to occur. We need Curling Canada to book a week for women's provincials, mm-hmm. period. One week. And it would be a terrific week of, of 
promotion of curling all across the country. It's a great idea. It's just a matter of somebody getting it done from uh, Curling Canada's point of view. Yeah, especially with teams where they're not all from the same city. You know, it'd be, it'd be nice to compact it, right? To go, okay, I'm, I mean, I got to travel, right? Hotel, all the other stuff that's expensive. So, Well, just to plan your schedule, Jim. Like, right. This is your week. This is the week. Be at the end of January, last weekend of January. So you have a Grand Slam in early January, and, and then you have the Scotties end of February. Well, now there could be a top women's event in the second week of February, right before the Scotties. Great. And you could, you know what I mean? It'd be so much better for scheduling of, of the top curling because curling now at the top level, if everybody wants to agree or not, is worldwide. Right. It's not just in Canada. It's around the world. And to have an event in February for, for ladies that isn't just Scotties, but to have a worldwide event, that's, that's important for the growth. And therefore, tier two events, grassroots events can grow around the tier one events. That's what right. is really important. And it doesn't happen right now after Christmas until you get into like April, May. Right. Uh, Warren, was it always the way you back in the Warren Hanson, Heck Shervey days when you guys were curling, was it a big, long provincial play downs? It was longer than it is now, Jim, because at that point in time, because the number of teams involved, you had to go through about three different steps that uh, at the provincial level started in probably the middle part of January and didn't end until the middle part of February. And it was the same story then. It pretty much made it impossible for much to take place in the way of other competitions in January and February and March because it was all aimed at these Briar playdowns. So if you didn't make it to the Briar, uh, your season was probably all, almost over pretty much in middle of February at the latest. Um, and maybe at the odd bond spiel at the end of the season, but it was pretty much the end of the year. So I agree fully. This has needed to happen for a long time. All these provincial championships need to happen in the same weekend, and uh, we need to be structuring things better so that January, February, and March don't become write-off months for everybody except the teams that make it to the national championships. Okay, so we'll have to watch for that. Do you think Curling Canada listens to our show? Yes. <laughs> they listen to you, to you, Jim. <laughs> they just said, when is Jim Jerome on again? Yeah, that's you right. got to listen to this guy. Here's, uh, here's what I think, okay? If you like what you hear on this show and all our ideas, it was, it was me, okay? If you don't like what you heard, keep your opinion to yourself, okay? <laughs> uh, okay, there we go. That was Hot Rock Topics. Uh, let's whip along Mailbag, brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. Uh, here's the email we talked about from Norm Gould of the famous, uh, is this the fam- one of the famous Gould brothers? You betcha. Is, is he the guy who scared me in the briar patch? <laughs> Not, no, that was, that was Steve. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, God, why, I'm going to break out in hives. Okay, why'd you say that? Happy New Year, gentlemen, says Norm. And you too, Jim. Okay, Norm, I get it. Uh, as you know, I love your show. Quite often your discussion leads to things for Curling Canada to consider or reconsider. For example, having our junior age match the world age rather than wait a year, as both Kevin did uh, in 1986 and I did in 1987. Or to have members of four-person teams participate in mixed doubles at the Olympics or the structure of the briar, I could go on and on. How are these decisions made by Curling Canada? Who calls the shots? How are uh, suggested changes brought forward for consideration? What is the process? Well, we've talked about this, so we'll bring it up again for sure. Thanks for all you guys do to promote the game and to provide insight into the game we love. And that's from Norm Gould. Warren, 
Well, yes, a deep subject. I guess uh, we can talk about how it used to be and, and how it is now. Up until 2007, uh, the Old Canadian Curling Association was governed by a board management type of approach where annually and throughout the year there were meetings held with the board and senior staff attended those meetings and everything was hashed over and discussed uh, and in the end a consensus was reached and, and things were passed. But in 2007, Curling Canada, then the Canadian Curling Association, went into a policy governments a form of uh, uh, management and uh, developed by a guy by the name of Dr. John Carver. And this model focuses on the board determining the overreaching policies of the organization, the ends, as they refer to it as. And at the same time, responsibility is delegated to the CEO and other members to establish the means or the implementation of the policies. However, the board is only responsible for hiring the CEO and establishing the executive limitations. In other words, what can the CEO do with, without board approval? The CEO reports back to the board, but the board meetings mainly focus on policy and executive-level performance. So generally speaking, the way things operate today, it is the CEO and the senior staff of Curling Canada will make most decisions. Uh, is exactly the line drawn as to where they can and where they can't make decisions comes in executive limitations. And as we sit here and talk today, I'm not exactly sure how that is defined anymore. They've changed things a couple of years ago. They've now developed what they call a risk management board. And when we refer to risk management, it is the evaluation of and preparation for future crisis along with the preventative measures involved in minimizing security risks now seems to be the main function of the board. So to answer Norm's question, it is the CEO and senior staff that make most of the decisions. A risk board? Risk management. To evaluate um, as they're moving forward, what, what sort of risk is involved in the decisions that the CEO and staff are making. And uh, so that they can institute preventative measures, measures if they are heading down the wrong path. Complicated. Uh, do I fully understand it? Not completely. But uh, what I'm telling you is how it all functions today. Right. If you don't understand it, me and Kevin sure don't. <laughs> well, hey, Jimmy, you know, some of the decisions, all of a sudden it's a top five. Like we talked about this new, this new decision where the top five, if you're in the top five, you can bring a player in from anywhere if you're pregnant on the women's side of things. And it seems to me, there, I think there's just like a big box with ideas. And, and once in a while they pull a, one of them out of the box and that's a rule. Right. <laughs> I just there's just no rhyme or reason to what what happens. Um, so I, I how are how are decisions made? I, I don't know. It, a lot of them that come out just don't make much sense, and there just really should be uh, some players inside these decisions. Right. What is interesting, and our show may have something to do with it. Curling Canada, man, is is there's a lot of people coming at them right now about the decisions they are making. You know, with the new players group and and this show right where where we talk about it a lot uh so we'll see what happens thanks very much norm uh for sending us your email uh do it you guys drop us an email inside curling at gmail.com listen to the inside curling podcast ad free on amazon music included with prime
Goldline Curling's Momentum Rush shoes are the fastest, most stable, and most comfortable shoes Goldline has ever made. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. Joining us now, Mike McEwen. You know, for you to win, for you to win, you're in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. Uh, for you to win in Ontario, uh, to get to the Briar is a is a huge thing. And uh, if you don't know by now, Mike McEwen's team in Ontario won it. Uh, Mike, way to go, man! Congratulations, and uh, it's quite a team uh, that you have with Brian Fry and Brett Lang. And uh, Joe Hart, I guess, would be the would be the new. That's how old we're getting. I'm going. Oh my God! Don't is that? That's got to be Richard's son. It's no wonder we're bald. Okay, that we've been around for a hundred years. You've been right there, man. You know, you've been right there all these years uh, in, in the Briar. I, I don't want you to dismiss the talent of your other teams, but is this the best shot? Is this the best team you've had in a long time? You know what? Um, there, the, all, all the teams were have been different um it's a great team when we're playing well you know obviously we we struggled to do that uh for 95 percent of the season but yeah i i I don't want to dismiss uh you know some of the great great teams i've had in the past uh you know especially uh you know the the 11 year run i had with uh you know denny and bj newfeld and matt wozniak um you know we we were shot away from going to the olympics so you know definitely uh whenever I've tried to create a team, you know, ever since learning that 11 year stretch with those guys been trying to search to create the same thing, um, you know, the last uh, five years. So uh, I've definitely, you know, with Brent and, and Ryan found the experience, the pedigree, the shot making, um, you know, I've found that in those two guys and uh Joe, uh, you know, only came on, you know, a week before provincials, but we really needed to uh, increase our average height and reduce our average age. <laughs> That's funny. So, <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, you and Fry aren't exactly signing up to play the, in the NBA, right? I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Basically, I think it goes from tallest to shortest, right from uh, coach, lead, Lead through second, third skip. It's pretty much in order, I think, in, in height. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, well, way to go, man. We'll be we'll be looking forward to watching in the Briar. Kevin? Well, yeah, I'm going to let Warren in, in just a second here, but the thoughts of playing on under Ontario's colors. You've been playing a long time, and it's always been the Manitoba colors. For me watching, that's going to look pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to feel a little bit strange, but... I, I, I'm excited in the same sense, in, in a different way. Representing your province and, and everything like that, where you come from, is, is a great honor. But I think it's even, it's a bigger picture than that. And representing and, and being a great ambassador for wherever you're playing out of. And uh, who knows, maybe Ryan and I inspire some little Tucker, he or she, uh, in the future playing out, out of Ontario. Who knows? Um, I think, uh, you know, we've got a job to do and, and that's uh, represent Ontario as best as we can. And yeah, you, you just never know. Maybe there'll be a, an ugly corn broom in, in somebody's <laughs> hands coming out, of, <laughs> coming out of Ontario in the future. I would love that. Congratulations, Mike. Uh, well done. I watched some of it. You guys seem to be playing pretty well. I want to go back on the, on the topic that Kevin brought up about playing out of Ontario and about a Twitter comment that was made, I think, just before you're going to play the final game. If somebody said, 
I hope you don't win because you're not from Ontario. <laughs> and I think your your response to it was Karen. <laughs> so how do you feel about all that, you know, people making comments like that? And, and it's still a fact of we got to put the best teams together and it doesn't matter provincially anymore where you come from. But I thought that was kind of funny. Well, first, no, we don't, we don't, we don't run our own social medias. <laughs> I mean, we, we have input, but, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely have somebody that, that handles that for us. And, yeah. um, yeah, Ryan's wife does a great job. She has, uh, she has her own company and yeah, that was a little sassy. I, I, <laughs> I like, well, there was I no, like there, there was no comeback. I didn't see one. <laughs> So yeah, like um, you know, social media, uh, all that jazz. You know, you 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 got to manage that. Um, it can be very distracting. So yeah, definitely, um, that wasn't necessarily a response from any one of our teammates. But uh, yeah, I, I'm supportive of it. Uh, it's kind of you know, it was a fun little play on words, um, if anything. So <laughs> so let's talk about your team. You guys struggled a bit throughout the year. You made a change at lead, I think, about a month ago, bringing in Joe Hart. Tell us about the season and uh, why did you think you had to make a change and how has that improved things for you? Obviously, you've done a lot better since you did make that change. To be completely honest, uh, it, it wasn't necessarily any one individual's fault why we had to make that change. Uh, it, it just ended up being a team chemistry, team dynamic kind of oil and water just on the on the ice as far as as far as our mix um really you know everybody on the team you know they're great individuals but we, we had to make a change just the the on ice energy wasn't a fit and uh you know it wasn't wasn't serving any one of us uh quite well we were kind of more individuals and you know, when you're part of a team, you want to be greater than the sum of your individual parts. And we, we certainly were not, uh, if anything, we're probably hurting each other by, uh, you know, just our chemistry and lack of being able to make each other better. Yeah. The timing awful, uh, to have to do that, uh, you know, within, you know, I think we made the announcement some 10 days before provincial started that we were having a player change. So timing was awful, but we, we really did feel that we needed some sort of change in order to have a chance. Let's talk about the Briar, and it's uh, going to be a, a great event. 18 teams uh, seems to be what they're going to settle on, but I find it rather interesting with 18 teams. Yes, you've got two pools of nine, and the the natural playoff for that would be the page system f- from my point of view. You take the top two from each pool, but I see again, in doing some digging a couple of days ago, they have made another change to the playoff system, where they're now qualifying six teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just read in the guide. <laughs> just you, you you just read it as I did. Three out of each section. Again, I'm not sure from those first place teams if they've got got the advantage they should have because you're going into each section. Two is playing three. The winner's playing one. The two winners of that one versus a two, three game are going to go into uh, the top ranking on the page system and the two losers going into the bottom. What do you think about all that? Is that something that you uh, are warm to? I mean, I, I don't think it's uh, giving the first place team maybe the advantage they should have from my point of view. You know what? Uh, I think Warren, yeah, you could, you could have a situation where there's quite a discrepancy in, in 
like you mentioned in, in records uh, yeah. from first to the last team getting into the playoffs. And yeah, I, I honestly, I haven't had time to process that change yet. Um, I'm, t- you know, truth be told, I'm still figuring out how to play well in this <laughs> two split pool system. Uh, I think you, you, you know, in all honesty, you can look back at, you know, my record as, as a player with the teams I've had, you know, from the old traditional one pool system to the switch. And I, uh, you know, I've, I haven't, uh, I, I feel like I haven't personally performed since the switch, you know, up to my expectations. So that's going to be my number one focus, uh, going into this, this provincials with the guys is, is to really, uh, crank that intensity, that shot making up in the first half of the event. Cause, uh, I think that's something that, you know, I haven't fully kind of, uh, embraced, you know, since, since we've gone to kind of all these different systems that you, like you said, there seems to be kind of little tweaks and changes every year. Yeah. I think, uh, since they went to this system, the preliminary games probably haven't, haven't meant as much as they're going to mean this year because you were first playing in that first uh, go-round to take eight teams forward, and now you're virtually in each pool taking three. It's uh, a different approach, but again, you, you wonder where did all this come from because uh, I had a hard time finding it, and then I'm going, whoops, they've changed it again. Anyway, Kevin, you got anything you want to add? No others. I'm really looking forward to watching your your uh, your new team. Um, you get into the briar. I think uh, you're going to see Ryan Fry be very very good. I think he uh, he'll come to the top um, under those circumstances under pressure. So I look forward to watching you guys. Uh, Mike, way to go, man! Thanks for coming on. I look forward when you bring up Brian Fry. Uh, if you took a snapshot of him uh, after he throws his rock, you go, "Oh, he's lying face down on the ice." Oh, for a little while. <laughs> 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 it's like the reason he doesn't have a beard there is because his chin is wearing out rubbing across the pebble uh, uh mike mike, yeah. um, I, mike i guess i guess before you go uh, a couple of things um what we've what we've seen over the last year uh you know when when guys go down you know particularly with covid um we we saw just three-man teams and everyone was kind of panicking going well we gotta you know we gotta bring in our fifth and he doesn't get much action uh with a bunch of success you know, from Adine and uh, I, I think I think Gushu had to go with it. Uh, the goo. Return as uh, at one yeah. time qualified. Yeah. Did, does that change your thinking when you're a skip? You got to organize all that. You got to you got to think about things. What, what are your thoughts on that when when you see the success of those three man teams? I think if you if you have the right personnel on your team, that uh, in some cases bringing bringing an alternate or even even to the nationals or whatever adventure mm-hmm. you're playing, maybe doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, I, I think we, we've had, I believe we even saw a, a Japanese women's team make it all the way to a slam final with three. Right, right. Uh, the guys can correct me if I'm wrong there, but uh, yeah, we we've seen a lot of success where, yes, you you don't have as many sweepers, but you know maybe the advantage of two players being able to throw three rocks is is uh, balancing that out right so yeah i think there's a lot of situations where a team doesn't need to necessarily bring an alternate right. um and i i don't know if that's w- the look we want long term in the sport right that's a topic topic for another show <laughs> there's definitely some concerns there i think uh that uh yeah you guys will have to unwrap that a little bit more 
What's what's the toughest part of being a skip? The toughest part? Yeah. <sighs> it's lonely down there, Jim. <laughs> it's 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 lonely and cold. And you know, I do, you know, I, I do, I'm very fortunate for a great head of hair, but yeah. that's why you see me with a hat. Because yeah. I'm cold. <laughs> it's a lot of heat loss out of the top. That's a great um, answer, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's the two biggest challenges, lonely and cold. Yeah, okay, but, man. Uh, um yeah. <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, I deserve that, uh, Kevin. I deserve that. Uh, Mike McEwen, your Ontario champion, on his way to the Briar with with uh, Brett Lang and Joe Hart and Brian Fry. And Richard Hart uh, is going to be the coach. So congratulations, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, you know, these are busy times for you guys preparing for the big national championship. But uh, we, re- we, really, uh, we really loved having you on. And uh, we'll get you on again. Hopefully we'll give you some karma coming on the big show. Sounds perfect. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Mike. See you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Good luck.